so it's really great to be with you guys this morning live and to um to be able to spend time together as a church family as Andy was saying, if you've been around Central for any length of time, you'll know that we've been in this series looking at hope and hope in Jesus. This is our final Sunday looking at it before we head into Easter. So this morning we are looking at hope in Jesus being worth a beautiful waste. Hope in Jesus being worth a beautiful waste um, from John 12, 1 to 8. So um, this is one of the accounts of Jesus' life that we're going to look at this morning. So if you have a Bible, this is your moment to get your Bible. But if not, the wonderful Michael Pullman is going to have the words come up on the screen for us. So John 12, 1 to 8. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus's honour. Martha served while Lazarus was um, among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a whole year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You'll always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So let's pray. Um, God, as we come before um, this account of um, Jesus's life, um, we want to hear your voice speak to us this morning. We want to learn from you um, to grow in relationship with you. And so we ask that um, you would use this moment as a moment where we can encounter you afresh, hear your voice to us and grow in our relationship with you. So I pray that you use my words and this time for your glory and your kingdom. Amen. Um, so a few years ago, I decided to bite the bullet and learn how to drive. Um, for any of you guys that have done that experience, um, you know that it's a great one, but it's also um, a pretty demanding experience. Um, it meant that I had to give a lot of my time, um, like learning to drive, you have to have regular lessons. Um, you have to study for your practical, for your theory. So it demands a lot of your time. And I don't know whether this is just me, but it also demanded a lot of my emotions. I remember specifically doing roundabouts was a really stressful experience for me. I found roundabouts really tricky to know which lane to go in and to prepare as you go to the roundabout. And there was one moment I remember like strongly is that after a driving lesson I just came back into the office um in the central hall and I just sprawled as a starfish on the floor of the office face down I was just emotionally <laughs> spent from having to try roundabouts and I remember Tom Montgomery coming in and trying to calm me down because he's just so lovely and um, so it demanded a lot of my 
emotions um but also it demanded a lot of my um money because it's it's quite an expensive thing learning how to drive and so all in all um it I had to give a lot of myself to the experience of learning to drive and in other words it wasted a lot of my resources it was wasteful um but I felt like it was worth it um, even though it wasted a lot of my time, my money, my emotions, it was worth it um, until I reached what I'm calling my lamppost moment. Last summer, I got out an enterprise car in Edinburgh. You might have seen them dotted about the city. Um, and I rented it out because I thought I might be getting rusty at my driving. And so um, I needed to practice. I was so close to getting it back into the parking spot and I had to do a reverse parallel park and as I did that I hit a lamppost um, and so I got a crack in the indicator light and I scuffed the bumper and I got the bill through and it was £700 um, which just so much money and I remember feeling like it was just such a waste like giving £700 to a big company like Enterprise is a drop in the ocean for them. It makes no difference. But if I had 700 pounds, like the amount of rent that would cover, the amount of groceries I could pay with 700 pounds. Um, so this lamppost moment made me doubt that the experience of driving was worth it. And I think that we don't just ask that question when it comes to driving, if you have been a driver. Um, but I think that we ask this question when it comes to Jesus, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. We as followers of Jesus will be asking the question, is following Jesus worth it? Is it worth a beautiful waste? I think that we might have asked this question more often this year. Um, so I think it's so vital for us to be talking about it this morning as we're coming up to um, a year of being in this pandemic um, that has been such a tough year for so many of us, where it's been really tricky to, um, to, to be church family. It's been beautiful, but also tricky. Like we can't be physically in person this morning. We can't be in Central Hall worshipping together. And um, we've got to be online, even though there's so many great things about it. It is also hard. This is also a year where um, mental health has been such a massive stronghold on society. Um, so many people have been going through grief and real pain and suffering. Um, and there's just a lot going on. And so it's understandable to be asking this question, is hoping in Jesus worth a beautiful waste? And so that's what I want us to explore and unpack together as we look at this passage in John 12. So let me just paint a picture to you guys of this passage this morning. So it's about six days before Passover. We're in this wee little town outside of Jerusalem called Bethany. Um, we're in a home with a close-knit group of friends who probably just had a big meal together. They're reclining at the table. They're totally at home and totally relaxed. And then in this split second, <clears throat> in this moment, everything changes. Mary comes in with this expensive, precious perfume and she starts pouring it on Jesus's feet. She then gets out her hair and she starts wiping Jesus's feet with her hair. Any smell of the dinner that they probably just had would have been overcome 
with the smell of this perfume, it would have overwhelmed their senses. In this moment, I think that there's two characters, two opposing perspectives that I want us to focus on. So in verse three, we have Mary, who is on her knees pouring out this perfume onto Jesus' feet. She, in this moment, is saying, all I have and all that I am, I'm just willing to give it up for you, Jesus. You, to me, are worth the waste. But then in verse five, <clears throat> we have Judas. Um, he is rebuking Mary and challenging him and saying, this is such a waste. You should have used that money on the poor. Jesus, for Judas, is not worth all that waste. And so you have these two characters and two opposing perspectives that I think that um, are really interesting to look at, to learn from. And so I want us to learn a bit more about these two characters, track their stories and see what we can take from it this morning. So Judas, Judas was one of the 12 disciples. What we know about the disciples is that, um, that we that you um, have to give of who you are to be a disciple, that you have to choose to leave everything behind and to follow Jesus. So if you had any job, if you had any um, salary, if you had any home, you had to leave that behind and follow Jesus around these towns. Um, you didn't know what reaction you were going to get in these towns. You didn't know whose home you might sleep in that night or where your next meal was coming from. It was just total trust in Jesus. And so you had to give up any financial or physical security. You had to give up any emotional security you had. You were vulnerable going into all these different spaces all the time, choosing to um, trust in Jesus. In other words, it was wasteful. Judas had to waste of himself, of who he was and what he had to be a follower of Jesus. And we know that initially he believes that it is totally worth it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have spent three years committing his life to Jesus. But then he has this lamppost moment, like me with the Enterprise car, um, especially in the later days when Jesus starts talking about dying, you see that that's a lamppost moment for Judas. He starts to question. He starts to doubt whether following Jesus is worth it. You see in John 12, 6, that um, he starts taking from the pot of money that are for the disciples. He was in charge of the money. He was the treasurer. And you see him start to steal behind closed doors for himself. Matthew 26, 14 to 16 shows that Judas sells Jesus out to the chief priests so that they knew when to arrest him when he was away from the crowds to avoid a riot. And then this story that we're focusing on this morning, that he challenges Mary with this perfume and says, why are you doing that? Like, it's such a waste to use that on Jesus. So we see that Judas ends up believing that um, actually following Jesus and hoping in him, in him is not worth the waste. Then we have Mary. She also, like Judas, had to give all of who she was and all that she had to, to follow and be friends and close with Jesus. 
we see this moment when Jesus visits Mary and Martha in their home in Luke 10, 38-42. And Mary just sits at Jesus's feet and just gives her sole attention to Jesus. And Jesus is speaking and teaching. And Mary thinks there is no amount of time that is too much time to waste on this man. There's no um, amount of, of attention that is too much attention to waste on Jesus. But also in John 11, 21 to 22, we've just seen that Lazarus has passed away and Mary is just stricken with grief. And there's this intimate moment where she runs over to Jesus and she starts weeping on him. So we see that for Mary, there's not no amount of emotion that is too much emotion to waste on Jesus. And then finally, in the climax of this story, as we as we read about her pouring out this perfume on his feet, we see that she is ready to give all that she has and all that she is to Jesus. So just like Judas, she starts off totally believing that following Jesus is worth all the waste in the world. Um, but she continues in that vein until the very end. So we have these two perspectives and two characters. What can we learn from them this morning? What can we draw out from this passage for ourselves? There's two points that I want us to focus on this morning. The first one is value. Um, I don't know whether you guys have been around icebreaker questions before, but I um, have been around many, many icebreaker moments. where you're in a room full of people that you don't really know and they chuck out loads of icebreaker questions. One of the classics, which is a classic to me, is if you were in a house in, a, in your home and your house was burning and you could take one thing with you as you leave, what would that one thing be? And I love that question because I think it does immediately help me to get to know someone. It helps me to get to know what they find valuable in their lives, which is a good insight into who they are. But the question I want to ask this morning is what value do we place onto Jesus? Where does he sit within that reference of the home for us? If we could take one thing with us, what would it be? Is it Jesus or is it something else? For Judas, we see, um, as I said before, he sold Jesus out to the chief priests for 30 pieces of silver, which is around the equivalent of 140 pounds. So we know that for Judas, at the end, he saw Jesus as less valuable than 140 pounds. This is the value that he placed onto Jesus. But for Mary, she was willing to give up a whole year's wages, which is the amount this perfume would have been worth. But it was the most precious and expensive thing that she owned. And she was willing to give it all up to Jesus. So for her, he was the most valuable thing in her life. And so for us here this morning, as we're hearing this and reflecting on it, what value do we place onto Jesus. If we could imagine right now our house that you're in or your flat, wherever you are, if every single person that you loved, every single object that you owned, um, everything you could think of that was of any value to you was in this home or flat. 
and Jesus was there too, where would he sit within your your levels? Would he be the very first thing that you take with you or would it be something else? What value does Jesus have in your life? And when when I want us to reflect on this, I don't want us to think what value does central church have in our lives or what value is our community that you might be in or what value is all the amazing social action projects that we do. Although those things are valuable and amazing, what I want us to focus on this morning is when that's all stripped back and laid bare, when we're face to face with Jesus, what value do we put onto him as a person in our lives? We can see by looking at the story of Mary that we know that hoping in Jesus is worth a beautiful waste, but only if we see Jesus as valuable and not just valuable, but the most valuable thing in our lives. The second point, cost. So some of you guys that know me know that I can be a bit of a snob when it comes to chocolate. Um, I recognise that this is a privilege that I have that not everyone can afford to have um, fancy chocolate. But I am a sucker for a, a nice fancy chocolate. And um, one of the chocolates that I'm really loving at the moment is a chocolate called Tony's Chocolonies. Um, I'm a big fan of them. They come in these really amazing flavours. I'm especially drawn to anything milk and sea salt related, um, just in case you were wondering. And they have amazing graphics and design um, as a packaging. Um, but the thing that I love most about Tony's Chocolonies is the um, what the company stands for. So they're all about trying to stop um, modern day slavery in cocoa farming and the whole chocolate industry, which I think is just such a like amazing thing to stand for and something that I really want to back personally. And so I put a lot of value onto Tony's Chocolonies. Um, and I know that um, Tony's Chocolonies might be more expensive than, for instance, Tesco's own value brand chocolate. But um, because Tony's Chocolonies is valuable to me, it's worth the extra cost. So if something is of value to you, it will be worth the extra cost. If Jesus is of value to you, then he will be worth the extra cost. So when we look at Judas, we know, as I was saying before, that um, he didn't think that Jesus was the most valuable thing to him. He didn't see him as very valuable and therefore he wasn't willing to count the cost. We see this in a number of different ways. The cost of following Jesus for Judas was financial insecurity. They wouldn't know where they were going to get paid, where they were going to get um, the, their next food or their next bed. Um, they were financially insecure but he wasn't willing to count the cost. And so he took from the pot of money for himself because he wanted financial security. Secondly, the cost for Judas was trust. He had to trust that following Jesus was worth it, even though Jesus was gonna die, but he wasn't willing to trust. And so he sold Jesus out to the chief priests. 
But then we, when we look at Mary and the story of Mary, we know, as I was saying before, that she saw Jesus as the most valuable thing in her life. And therefore, we see that she was willing to count the cost. In two ways, she the cost um, for Mary of following Jesus was financial, um, but she was willing to count the cost. She gave of the most expensive and precious thing in her life, this perfume, and gave it to Jesus in that moment. But also, secondly, and I think the most challenging for me personally, is that the cost was her reputation. And she was willing to count the cost of following Jesus. See, for Jewish women in um, in that time, your hair was a point of honour for you. And, um, and they would have it wrapped normally in a scarf when you were in public. And if you had it exposed, then um, it would be seen as a form of humiliation. And so women would have their hair covered. Um, but you see here in this moment, in this story that we're looking at, that she gets her hair out in front of this group of men and she starts using it to wipe Jesus's feet. But not only that, but she starts using her hair to, to get into all the nooks and crannies of Jesus's dirty feet. She gets her hair dirty. This point of honour for a woman at the time, and she uses it to get into the dirt of Jesus's feet. His feet would have been really dirty because Jesus lived in a hot place in Bethany and around Jerusalem. It's a really hot place to live. You'd have sandals on and you would have the dust from the road coming into your feet, um, but also um, all sorts of other things. But she decides in this moment um, to, to, to blend her point of honor into this dirt of the feet. So she counts the cost to her own reputation. So for us, as we said before, if Jesus is of value to you, you'll be willing to count the cost, just as Tony's Chocolonies is valuable to me, and so I will pay the extra cost. And so where does Jesus sit for you within your values? Is he the most valuable thing, or is it something else? And are you willing to count the cost of following Jesus? I'd argue this morning that actually, if it hasn't been costly to be a Christian, you probably haven't seen Jesus as the most valuable thing in your life. Because these two things come hand in hand. If it's valuable, then it's costly. So from looking at Mary's story, we know that hoping in Jesus is worth such a beautiful waste if we know that Jesus is valuable and if it's costly. So as we come to, to finish up um, looking at this passage this morning, I recognize that some of you guys hearing this story might be really sympathizing with Judas, really understanding his perspective. And some of you might be really inspired by the story of Mary and want to be more like her. But I think that none of this is ever clear cut or simple. I think that actually at several different moments in our day, we're going to be more like Mary, where we're inspired, where we know that following Jesus is worth all we are and all we have. And then at another moment, we have a lamppost moment that makes us doubt that it's worth it. 
And so we're going to flip between the two um, constantly because we're imperfect people. But how this morning can we practically be more like Mary to know that we can give it all up for him and it is worth it? So as we come to an end, I want to question us and challenge us about our attitude. See, our attitude forms our perspective. I know that for a lot of us, it is really justifiable at the moment to have an attitude of resentment. We've been in a really hard year. It's been a tough time for so many of us. So many of us are facing real grief, pain, mental health battles. But also we see in the news just political polarisation. We've got the environmental crisis. We've got um, systematic racism. We've just got so much going on, so much to battle with. And I think there is a growing culture around us of resentment. But I think what happens when we have an attitude of resentment is it blocks us from seeing the value of Jesus and the costs we're willing to bear. We see this in the story of Judas, that he becomes more and more resentful. It grows in him until he starts stealing and selling Jesus out and challenging people that try and give it all for Jesus. He gets to this moment where he thinks it's not worth it. Jesus isn't worth it. This starts from a seed in him of resentment that grows and grows. So for us this morning, do we have in us an attitude of resentment? Is this something that we need to allow Jesus into to heal from? And I want to invite us to um, to step more into an attitude of gratitude. Now, this is something that um, we talk about a lot on the staff team. And I know that Andy has spoken about it before, having an attitude of gratitude. Um, the, this time where we choose to share stories of goodness and hope and choose to see the good in other people and speak well of others, this attitude of gratitude. I think that what gratitude does is it frees us up to see the true value of Jesus, that he is the most valuable thing we could ever be in contact with, ever know, and that he is totally, totally worth the cost. That is what gratitude does in our hearts and our minds. We see this in the story of Mary, that every moment that she was with Jesus, there's this gratitude that just builds and builds in her until she gets to that moment we, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, will know about where she just gives all of herself to Jesus, giving all the perfume and all of it to him. So, Our attitude shapes our perspectives. It shapes the value we place on something and the costs we're willing to bear. So as we close on not just today, but this whole series that we've been sitting in on hope, what has our attitude been towards it? As we've been hearing about the hope of Jesus, as we've been hearing about these um, accounts of his life, have we been resentful or have we been grateful. I want to spend a moment praying for us as we close um, and then we're gonna spend some time worshipping before we end. So God we um, 
want to invite you into this moment afresh. We want to acknowledge um, where we have resentment in our hearts and our lives. We ask that you would bring healing to us. Where there is real pain, where there's real suffering, we ask that you would heal us and bring your peace. And Holy Spirit, would you grow in us more of an attitude of gratitude? We ask that that would allow us to see just how valuable you are. And it would allow us to count the cost. Help us to see that hoping in you is worth such a beautiful waste. Amen.